This is the Daddy Saturday Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Daddy Saturday Podcast. This is Justin Bat, your host, and I am so excited to have our guest with us today, who is a Navy veteran. He has served around the world in places like Bahrain, Italy, Indonesia, Vietnam, one of my favorite places, and even China. He was born and raised outside of L.A. He never knew his biological father, and he's trying to be the best dad and husband he can be. And how many of us can relate to that? He had a college scholarship. He put himself through law school by working full-time. He's a Harvard Business School alum, and he believes that a critical piece of solving the world's most important and pressing problems is for dads to build and strengthen the connection with their kids. Now you know why I'm having Michael Turner on the show today. Michael, thanks so much for being with us. Justin, thank you so much. Uh, great to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, it's such a pleasure. Your background is just phenomenal. So first of all, thank you for your service. You're a, a Navy veteran. That's just incredible. So thankful for that. And also, one of the things I'd love to jump in right away is you're an author, and you wrote this book called Baseball is Back. And it was a love letter to your girls and to baseball. It's been purchased by the Nationals and the Phillies. And I, I guess you've gotten great reviews from all of MLB about the book. And I'm just excited to talk to you about that. So tell us how you came to write a book called Baseball is Back as a Love Letter to Your Daughters and Baseball. Well, I think it started like a lot of kids who, you know, you just grow up playing baseball. And I, I loved it as a kid. And I think baseball is a great teacher, teaches you about failure, teaches you about learning and how to get better each time, you know, right? The best hitters in the game fail seven out of 10 times. And, and I just loved playing as a kid. And when my wife and I, when we started our family, you know, our, we, have, we have three kids and we had our, our two daughters first. And I looked around for a book that connected dads, daughters, and baseball. And there was no such book. And it got me thinking a little bit, why? You know, why isn't there a book out there to help build and strengthen these types of relationships? Uh, and I just decided to write my own. And so it was, it was a labor of love, and it was a way to try to express my love for the game and my love for them. And baseball has such a rich vocabulary. It has all of these characters. Uh, it has elements of uh, social justice issues in, in terms of our country's history. There's just so much that's wrapped into the game. I wanted the book to serve as a conversation piece between uh, dads and granddads and their kids and grandkids with a little bit of an extra focus on daughters, but not exclusively so. And so I just decided to write the book and uh, feel very fortunate that teams like the Phillies and the Nationals, it got a great review from Major League Baseball's book blog. And some other teams have expressed interest in using it as part of their Father's Day promotions uh, into the future. So we're going to see how that goes. But really, at the end of the day, it's just an opportunity to sit down with your kid and introduce them not just to our nation's pastime, but also to just help them help build those bonds, you know, get, get closer with your kids, read to them, teach them about our, our culture, teach them about our history. And, and baseball is just such a big part of that. So incredible. I grew up playing baseball and most of my youth was spent, especially summertime, was spent on the ball field playing doubleheaders and you put me in coach and all the great songs still ring in my ears uh, when, when summer comes around. So 
I can share that love for baseball, love for sport, and something I hope to pass on to my kids too. So thank you for writing that book, not only for your kids and for baseball, but for all of those that can read that book and, and sharing that experience because I know it connects with many of us. Well, Michael, you talked a lot about your desire to write the book for your kids and, and for those reasons and wanted to be intentional and engaged as you approach your kids. And you mentioned to me that you didn't have or never knew your biological father growing up. What kind of impact did that have on you? Is it Was that a driver for writing this book? And how has that translated into your relationship with your kids? Yeah, thanks for that question. Um, I have to say that my biological father, as far as I'm aware, was he was not well suited to be a dad uh, when he had me. And it could be that later in life, he got his act together. I'm probably a better dad in many respects because he wasn't around. I will tell you that at the time when I was a kid, not having your dad there for much of your life is, you know, it kind of makes you stand out in some ways. And you kind of wonder what's wrong with me, right? Why isn't my dad around? You know, and, and you, and I won't say you, I'll say I, you know, that causes self-doubt and you have issues of, you know, am I worthy of love? Uh, what is my self-worth? And those are big questions that I think I'm still struggling with on some level. Had he been around from what I know and understand about him, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now. I think I would have been a different and perhaps not that I'm a perfect father by any stretch, but I don't think I would have written a book to my girls. So in some ways, maybe he did me the biggest favor of all by not being there because he wasn't capable of being the type of dad that every kid deserves. And maybe because there was that gap there, it caused me to be more reflective on what a dad should be and spending a lot of time thinking about that because of the absence of having that biological father drove me to be more intentional about what does it actually mean and the value of it, right? Because I was missing it at points in my life. So trying to fill that void and you know, no one's perfect. The, the first thing that I think we should expect from ourselves, and I, I think if every person did this, we'd all be a lot better off. We're never going to be perfect, but we can do at least a little bit better <laughs> than those who came before us. And if you're committing to doing just a little bit better, well, then pretty soon you're doing more than a little bit better, right? And success, you know, breeds success. So, I think that no matter where you come from, no matter where you are right now with anything you're facing in life, you could make a choice to just do a little bit better. And if we're doing that, we're going to create a better world for our kids and not just my kids, but your kids, Justin, right? Like I'm not, I have a responsibility, I feel, not just to raise uh, my kids in the right way, but to be a positive point of presence for every kid. To, and if we all take on that mantle, our, our world is going to be a lot better. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Anytime you talk about a father wound, whether your father was there or not there, right, it can be an emotional and a difficult thing to verbalize. So I appreciate you and your transparency and your vulnerability to sharing that. But I also want to commend you because there are statistics that show that most kids that don't have a biological father in the home don't turn out like you did. And so, you know, you beat the odds, you beat the numbers, and you're a true success story, Michael, in its own right. And it's so incredible to see you now pouring into your kids. And to your point, it's the ripple effect, right? Because now you're pouring into your three kids. They're going to pour into their three kids. And so or their kids, <laughs> the three of them have. And so it's just going to continue on, right? And you're changing not only the generation from your own kids, but you're also expanding beyond that. And so thank you for being a catalyst for that positive change. When you think about some of the ways that you interact specifically with your kids, tell me a little bit about some of the ways that you do work on that connection point or um, enhancing that relationship with your kids specifically. A couple things come to mind. First is I think it's important to build up in kids a sense of self-esteem. And 
that doesn't mean having false confidence and it doesn't mean for me anyhow it doesn't mean stroking them in a way that won't serve them well in life and i think the way i would define that is life will throw you adversity and how are you going to deal with it so i think one thing that's important for me as a dad is i want to introduce adversity to the kids in ways that they can manage it and handle it and be stretched along the way you can do that through things like sports for the girls i thought it was especially important that they develop some physical confidence so they've both done quite a bit of krav maga and, and kind of this self defense i want them to be able to handle themselves in a situation I want them to be uh, educated and have empathy, right? It's great to to do well in school, but you have to I think be exposed and understand that not everyone is as lucky as you. And to those who maybe have gotten a little bit of a head start in life, it's important to think about how you can help those who didn't. Uh so I think that that's an important connection point. I think the other thing cuz we're <laughs> I feel like we're talking pretty heavy here. But I think another thing that's important is a sense of humor, right? I think that if your kids have a sense of humor and they can see the funny in things and they know what sarcasm sounds like and they get more complicated humor, it's a way to kind of deal with life and it's a way to see the truth in things. I think that's very important. So, being able to handle adversity, I think is critical. I think having a sense of humor is important, and I think having empathy for realizing that people who look like you who don't look like you who come from different places we're all we're all people and we're all deserving of a of a chance and empathy i i think that's really important wow <laughs> i mean that is straight fire so good i'd love to zero in on a couple of things you said the first was when you were talking about the importance of letting your children experience adversity you know i could not agree with that more and i think that in our society as you look right part of the problem we have today with the millennium generation of millennials is that they are often were prevented from failing in their youth or experiencing that adversity and as as we know failure at 8 is a whole lot different than failure at 28 especially when you haven't experienced it before and have no mechanism of dealing with it right and so you allowing your children to experience that adversity at a young age and to learn how to deal with that and move forward positively is such a valuable characteristic and i know our listeners took a ton from that the second piece is that um, you were also talking about there at the end how it's really important and critical that as we focus on our kids we also help them understand that that humor is a big part of life right and if you can laugh at yourself most importantly instead of just yeah. laughing at other people all the time yeah. then you know that that is a great quality to have and i think as a father too there are times where sometimes i'll get angry or frustrated at my kids and it comes out in in a very negative way where i'm like gosh you know if i could have flipped that around and had some humor and we could have laughed at that like that situation would have been totally different and i would have handled that in a far better way than i did by getting upset or irritated or angry if i could have laughed at that and we could have laughed together so talk a little bit more about that cuz i think the whole having a sense of humor about life especially in the times we're in today is a really critical thing to have <laughs> yeah i couldn't agree more and you're you're totally right about laughing at yourself right so as dads we can kind of take the lead on that right because we we do things that are goofy or or what have you and we just point the fun at ourselves get them laughing and then it's an easier entry point to i think you know introducing to them to humor in in other ways right kids say crazy things all the time right they spill things all the time you know there's this never i don't think and there's a there's a never ending supply of humor just inside your own family it's just like you're saying justin how do you capitalize on it 
So we watch movies, you know, and if anything, we've maybe been a little more forward leaning on, on some of the movies that we've shown them. But to introduce them to humor, for instance, one of the girls is there. I have a 13 year old and a 12 year old girl. One of their favorite movies is the Blues Brothers. Now, there's some language in the Blues Brothers, <laughs> but but there's like talk about introducing them to like the great American menu of music, like all of the giants of music that are in that movie, right? So they're learning about American culture, right? John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd, two of the giants of American comedy, and that kind of deadpan sort of humor, like they get that. That's massive. They're they're starting to watch. Uh, we're watching Seinfeld with them. And they, they like all the slaps. I don't know if you remember that, the first Bad News Bears movie with Walter Matthau. That movie's hysterical. I mean, it couldn't be made again today. Like the Billy Bob Thornton movie is, I only watched like the first 10 minutes of it because it wasn't like the other one. And, and, and there's a million other, they love Will Ferrell. Just watch Elf, right? And making fun of yourself. Make, and we, we mock each other, man. The kids, the kids come after me. I go back after them. It's a way to toughen them up a little bit. Not everything needs to be so serious. Sometimes you have to laugh at things too and laugh at yourself, like you were saying. Thank you for unpacking that because what you just did is you gave us a, a glimpse into your family's culture. That's what I try to get on this podcast, right? Is a diverse range of thoughts and ideas and, and cultures and the way that people approach fatherhood or parenting. And that's such a beautiful example of a really unique way to create a rhythm or a movement in your family around humor and comedy. And I love that. And you just gave me a few ideas of a couple of movies I need to bring back out and make sure that I show my kids because <laughs> some of those classics are lost. And frankly, there's so much trash today, right, on TV or that they could watch. And yeah, there may be a couple of foul words in there, but at the end of the day, they probably gained far more than they would lose by a couple of those words. And, and most likely at that age, they probably heard them anyways, right, Michael, at this point? Exactly. Who's going to introduce them to the words, right? Like, like it's not, I'm not going to wrap them in bubble wrap and keep the world from doing that. And it's kind of the same thing. And I've talked, I've been talking to some other dads about, because now we're starting to have teenagers and, and what have you, you know, I feel like my girls, I'm told this will change, but I feel like my girls still will listen to mom and dad, right? We still kind of have them. We have, they have not completely grown up yet. And so we've kind of taken the, the approach of, be talking to them about more serious issues now while they are they might still be listening to us as opposed to trying to you know broach tougher topics sex drugs all that kind of stuff when maybe the influence is gotten there's just more things that are grabbing their attention so that we get to set the context for things right we're not letting the rest of the world who's going to impose their views on it down the line, but we're helping them understand it. It means having that conversation, I think, a little earlier than we might normally want to. But if it's going to happen anyway, why not have it when you're going to have perhaps the better and greater impact? So it's it's something, and, and we don't believe me. We, we'll, we'll let you know in five years <laughs> to tell you if it worked out. <laughs> uh, but it's something we, we talk about. Well, I don't think you can go wrong having the conversation early and often and knowing that you control the dialogue and kind of you're tuning the radio dial in to what you want them to hear and how you want them to hear it because they're going to get it from the culture regardless, right? You can't bubble wrap your kids unless you homeschool and they never leave the house and you have a, you know, a plantation that they live on and they never get outside of that. You know, they're going to get exposed to the world and the world is harsh, the world is hard. And you can't watch any sort of TV or even listen to most music today without getting exposed to those kinds of concepts. And so I fully appreciate and support what you're saying. And I think it's a really critical conversation. I also feel like, and I'm hearing you say it, so I'll ask the question, but 
sounds like you have an active role in many of those conversations. And I think sometimes, especially with girls, I hear a lot of other dads say, that, you know, that's kind of like the mom's job, right? To have those conversations because it needs to be girl to girl or female to female. But I differ in that. I feel like that's part of the father's role to have some of those conversations. Now, there may be certain conversations that mom needs to be included in or have be a part of, right? Because it deals with female anatomy or things that we may not know have a good expertise in. But dad needs to be a part of those conversations. And it sounds like you are. I agree that it's important that they know that we um, have a, a seat at the table. I will add, though, that I let them drive that a little bit because I, I want them to have the buy-in to it. So, for example, you know, things like sex and, and as their bodies develop and all sorts of things, I, I don't feel uncomfortable talking to them about it, but I feel like they might be, they might prefer mom a little bit, which is totally fine. So what I would prefer to do, what I have done is I will, every once in a while, I will make a statement that kind of lays it out there where they know where I'm coming down on, on certain sorts of issues, where they know where I stand on something. For example, like when we talk, you know, if we talk about boys or whatever, I say, look, like you need to respect yourself and you need to be your biggest champion right? And you don't let anyone decide your worth. You get to pick that. And that might be brought up in the context of, of boys, or there's maybe a, you know, some, something we saw in a movie. So that I'm not sitting down with them going, you know, blow by blow on a particular topic, but I'm letting them know where we are at on an issue. And I, like I said, I'll let you know <laughs> a few years. Um, <laughs> but I want them to talk about it in a way that they feel comfortable and organic about so I'm not looking, I'm not bowing out of any conversation on my own. If they want to talk about something with mom, you know, that's fine by me. I'm not going to not share with them my perspective and just be, just be honest with them, right? The rest of the world is, you know, play its games. I get to be honest with them. That's my power and ability. And I feel I have to use it. Well, it's so good. And I think the, the best thing you said in all of that was that you're available for the conversation. And it sounds like you've created the type of relationship, especially with your daughters, I'm sure it's this way with your son too, where they have the ability to come to you to have that conversation. They feel comfortable in doing so. And I think that's the best thing you could ever do, right? Because especially when they're young, if they feel comfortable at that age, then they may start to pull away as they get older. But you know, and they know, if they really need you or need to have that conversation, you're there, you're open, you're going to give that wise age advice. And it sounds like you're doing a phenomenal job of that. So that's just, that's just awesome, Michael. Well, have you ever done date nights with your daughters? I'm just curious. Is that something that you guys do routinely? You know, we do that. What I would say, what I've focused on is we have a deal where it started when they were eight years old. So every five years, we go on a daddy-daughter trip. And they get to pick pretty much anywhere they want to go. So uh, about five years ago, my eldest, she wanted to go to Italy. So we went to Rome and Naples for basically, it was like a, a week uh, or so, week, 10 days. And then my uh, the second girl, she, she wanted to go to London. So we went to the UK for about a week. And so now that, of course, we're in challenging travel times right now with COVID and everything. But so they're due for their next trips. They haven't picked out where. So we will do, you know, hey, let's go to the movies or something like that. But I've, I'm trying to also build in like the daddy-daughter trip, a, a real kind of memorable excursion where it's just the two of us. Man, that is so awesome. For those that follow Daddy Saturday, you know, we, we talk about it in the book and part of our platform is what we call winner's travel. And in my opinion, winner's travel with their kids as a father. And so that's what we prescribe is that you do, our model is 10, 13, and 16. And, you know, you take your kids one-on-one -on -one 
each of those ages. So I've got four kids and so I've got a whole lot of trips. I'm like, it's a big investment, but man, think about that investment you've made in your daughters going to Italy and Rome and going to London and just the memories that you've made. And that's the point, right? Is that those are anchor memories, anchor moments. You guys will talk about those trips and those experiences for the rest of your lives together. And what a phenomenal way to create that relationship. And I'm sure you've seen the same benefits that I've seen. So I would encourage all of our listeners. And again, it doesn't have to be expensive, extravagant, or extraordinary, right? It sounds like you've got the means to go you know, overseas and do that. We have the means. We've gone to New York and L.A. And we're about to go on a – my 10-year-old son's got his first trip. We're going to Wyoming to a big ranch and doing the, the dude ranch thing. That's and, awesome. You know, we've been afforded the ability to do that. But you don't have to go to that extreme if you don't have the means. The point is you go one-on-one with your kids, even for a couple of days, and just break the rhythm and get them alone. I, I could not commend you enough for doing that. And so excited once COVID breaks, right, for all of us to be able to get back into the swing of the thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and you're right. You don't have to spend a ton of money. And if you're breaking it up, like it sounds like you are every every three years, you know, if you, if you put $2 a day away, right, over the course of three years, that's a nice little chunk of change to go have a great time, you know? Uh, it, it doesn't have to be that pricey. You can do it because it, it's, it's the time and building the memories. Um, you're exactly right, Justin. You're exactly right. So for your daughters, did they get to kind of, they selected where they wanted to go and did they get to help plan the trip? Like walk me through a little bit of the mechanics of your process. So on the first trips, they were eight slash nine years old. So they, like I asked my oldest, she said, I want to go to Italy. I said, why do you want to go to Italy? She goes, because they have good pizza there. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, done. So, awesome. so she's not, she wasn't quite at the age where she could sit down and really plan it out. But now for the next trip, you know, it's kind of fun because they, they can't figure out where they want to go because they want to go to all these different places. So that's like, that's the win already, right? Like they can't figure out where they want to go because there's, there's so much, you know, so much they want to see. Um, but for this one, they will absolutely play a much more forward-leaning role in planning it. And I almost feel like one way to help your kids with, with confidence and self-esteem is, is I call it like the yes, right? So, you know, one, let's say one of them picks Paris, whatever. So I'm going to buy them one of those, you know, one of those travel books on Paris or whatever, and I'm going to hand it to them and say, you fill out the itinerary. And my job, Justin, is just to say yes to everything. And let them drive it. And, and I'm sure I'm going to have a great time no matter what they pick. So it'll be easy for me to keep telling them how, you know, what a great choice this was. And, oh, I love this, you know, restaurant or whatever it is. So that they feel that they're getting um, that positive reinforcement on a pretty cool thing, like planning a trip to Europe or whatever. Um, so that's, that's kind of, I, I think for, for the eight, nine-year-old, it was a little harder. But for this one, I'm going to say yes a lot. <laughs> I love it. We do the same thing. And I, I think that is so critical, right? Because what you're what you're hitting on is the and great tips for all the dads listening, right? There are so many life lessons. Everything is a teaching moment. You can turn everything into a teaching opportunity. And what That's a right. great great moment for your girls to learn and eventually your son when they get to those ages to be able to plan that trip and then to have the positive reinforcement of dad. And, and you know, one thing I, I can tell that you do a great job on is you maybe not directly tell your kids, but you show your kids too through your, your words and your actions that you are proud of them. And that is so critical because so many kids don't ever get to hear that. You never got to hear that, right? You never knew your dad. Your dad never told that to you. And you continue to show your girls that. And that is just powerful, man. So awesome job, Mike. You're such a great dad and you're just crushing it. And you brought so much valuable, valuable information to our listeners and to our audience. I cannot thank you enough. 
in our parting words, is there anything we didn't get to, anything you want to cover to leave our, our listeners with before we go? I just want to say thank you for everything you've done in multiple you know, mediums out there between uh, the podcast, the book, and just reaching out and trying to help dads be their best daddy Saturday, everything in between. It's awesome. So thanks everything that you've done, Justin. Really, really appreciate it. And thanks for having me on. Oh, man, my pleasure. Um, this was an absolute delight. And who knows, maybe we'll have to sync up our trips, right? And we could, we could make a, a dual trip out of it. <laughs> I'd love it. I'd love that, for sure. Be like Chevy Chase European vacation. <laughs> Look, kids, Big Ben, Parliament. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> awesome. Well, for everyone listening, be sure to go to Amazon and check out Baseball is Back. And literally, baseball is about to be back. <laughs> so perfect time to pick up a copy of the book. Uh, Michael Turner. Michael, thank you so much for being with us. And as always, stay intentional, be engaged, and make it a great Daddy Saturday. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Daddy Saturday podcast. Be sure to subscribe to join me and thousands of other fathers in the journey of raising good kids to become great adults. And be sure to check out daddysaturday.com for our latest resources, content, and epic ideas for how you can be a more intentional and engaged father. And we'll see you here on the next episode of the Daddy Saturday podcast. Thanks for listening.